scripture reading this morning is John 3, verses 3 and 4. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born again when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. The word of the Lord. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. Thanks. Great to be with you guys again. I'm Jared McClure. I am uh, Assistant Youth Director at Mount Olympus. been working here for just over three years, if you don't already know me. I work alongside Jamie White. Uh, it's going to be cool because she's going to be gone in Kenya, so that makes me the non-assistant. I'm like the Youth Director for the summer. <laughs> so you could just email me if you want to get a hold of me. Just kidding. Um, sorry for the creepy slide. I realized that this morning, I'm like, this just looks weird. It looked really cool on Wednesday when I made it, but today it's just weird looking, especially when it's like faintly in the background of our worship slides. But anyway, good to be with you guys this morning. I'm going to be talking about the power of a question. In John chapter 3, we see a man, Nicodemus, come to Jesus by night. So when the, the sun had set, This man kind of creeps in the shadows from house to house to avoid being seen. He was wanting to speak with a particular person about some concerns that he had, some questions that he had, but he could not be seen because he was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader who had, um, he had a lot of things to, to protect about his person. Nicodemus finds Jesus whether like he's embarrassed or ashamed or fearful that he might lose his power, he asks Jesus a series of questions. He says to Jesus, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who is from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. Nicodemus means victor of the people. And Nicodemus refers to Jesus as rabbi, as teacher. He's talking to him um, as a person of respect. He's kind of putting himself under Jesus. Nicodemus was a teacher of the people. He was among the religious elite. And as you read through scripture, you see that the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they came to Jesus with a lot of questions, but not like Nicodemus did this time. Usually the the teachers of the law, they'd come to Jesus with questions, but trying to capture Jesus, trying to trap Jesus, trying to make him look bad, trying to make him misanswer something, answer something incorrectly, so that the people would see, oh, this Jesus guy doesn't actually have it all together. But uh, Nicodemus, the Pharisee, comes to Jesus this time with an honest question, with an open-minded question. It's from this passage in John chapter 3, Um, through this dialogue with Nicodemus and Jesus that we get the hallmark text of Christianity, or what I believe is the hallmark text of Christianity, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, 
that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And why I think this interaction is so important, why this stands out to me so much, is because there was something going on, I believe, inside of Nicodemus, something that was unsettled. Whether it was the religious climate of his life, or the religious climate of the people who he rubbed shoulders with, there was something in him that needed to be answered. Something that he needed to be resolved. So he goes to Jesus by night. This interaction reminds me of the importance of a question. This interaction reminds me um, of, of the power of a question and how it should not be overlooked. The power of a question should be not undermined, but we should, as followers of Jesus, be encouraged to ask questions. Because what we'll look at today is that questions will produce faith. They will produce vulnerability in a community, and they will produce relevance to our community. So throughout the Bible, you may know from various studies that we've done through the Old Testament and through the New Testament, people ask questions, lots of questions. And not just questions about like, oh, what did you eat for breakfast today? How is your day going? Not simple questions like that but questions between God and man, man and God, people and people. So many questions going on. So many questions inside of people. They want to shake things up. They want to rattle things up. They see something going on inside their community that should not be the way that it is. So the first thing that they do is pose a question. Is this how it should be? I don't know if you're anything like myself. I do like asking questions. I like questioning things. I like finding out new information. That's really fun to me. And I live, I think, in the perfect age for someone like me, someone like you. When, with, when anybody can, like, think enough to have a question, have enough tact to, con- to construct a question, I think, like me, or if you're anything like me, the first thing that goes through your head is, well, I can Google it. Am I right? Googling things is so interesting. We can go to this place, like visual thing right here, type in our question, hit search, it'll give up all our listed information of what is like, you know, believed to be about the subject. It's amazing. Kim Blank writes about Google in this online article that I read. She said, that small rectangle lurking in the corner of your computer browser is arguably the most revolutionary and powerful bit of real estate in the history of knowledge. So I think Google has it cornered. They have it figured out that people are, are, they have questions, they need answers, and they're willing to back it. Uh, Google understands the power of a question. I mean, just ask their $200 billion net worth. They understand that people are inquisitive. So what's the problem here? Why do I bring this up? Why do I want to address this this morning? I think that um, questions can be taboo. In the communities, and the people groups that we live in, sometimes asking questions is frowned upon. It's shunned. It's taboo. Secondly, I think questions um, can make us look weak. When we have a question, we are admitting that we need something outside of ourselves to intervene in our situation. If I want to know how many people live in Canada, I have to admit that I don't know how many people live in Canada, but there's 36 million. I looked it up. We appear weak. Questions 
can be taboo in the communities that we live in. And I believe that if the church stops asking questions, we will become irrelevant to the community that we live in. So first of all, they are taboo. They make us appear weak. I don't know about you, but I was kind of raised in a, a community that could be understood that way. Like questions were taboo. Don't ask hard questions. Don't ask the questions that might make people feel uncomfortable. Maybe you sat inside that small group and that person, maybe they're new there, they don't really understand that they're not supposed to ask questions. They ask that question that's really difficult and it makes the hair stand up on the back of your head. Maybe you've had the same question before. Maybe they ask that question that sounds like, you know, if God created the universe, then who created God? Or why is there so much violence in the Old Testament of the Bible? Or maybe their question uh, sounds a lot like if, God is so good, then why is there so much suffering in the world? Questions like these roll around in the head of so many believers. We might be too afraid to ask them because we believe they're taboo. We might be too afraid to ask them because we might appear weak. Whatever the case is, I believe too many people are being turned away because they are not allowed to question their faith, to poke the scriptures, to wrestle with doubt. But here's a question. If God is truly the architect of truth, if he is the construction manager of reality, if he is the craftsperson of all things, then aren't we in the right hands to question all things, life and faith? I think so. So secondly, if the church stops asking questions, we will become irrelevant to the community that we live in. Are you guys still tracking with me? Yeah, you nod the head. That's what I do with a lot of middle schoolers. Tracking with me? Nod your head. Yeah, cool, cool. Maybe make eye contact me. Eye contact with me. Yeah, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so if the church stops asking questions, we will become irrelevant to the community that we live in. In the Old Testament, the Bible, um, there were the prophets, people who spoke on behalf of God to the people. These prophets, I think they had an important role in the community that they lived in. These prophets, I believe, would ask the hard questions. They were the people in their community that saw something that was going on, and they were able to ask the hard questions. They were moved by the Spirit to recognize injustice, apathy, and overall decline of God's people. And they would say, is this how it should be? Many times in the Bible, we see people who are raised up to ask the hard questions in the communities that they live in. Go back and read the Psalms. David asks many questions. Job is like a long list, a dialogue between God and Job about righteousness and all things life. Look in the book of Isaiah. Even in the first few chapters, we see Isaiah questioning, God, what is going on? And as we know from the book of Habakkuk that Phil had taught just recently, Habakkuk was a man who had many questions saying, how long, O Lord, will things be this way? How long is this going to happen this way? If God's people, especially the children of Israel uh, in the Old Testament of the Bible, if they did not have people in their community that asked hard questions, then I think they, they would slowly lose their identity. They would slip into mediocrity, and they would blend in with all the other nations around them Instead of being God's special people, God's chosen people, to whom he would show his goodness, his power, and his righteousness to all of the world. So, 
Why are questions so important, and how can they benefit us? Here's three things I'll throw at you. Why are questions important, and how can they benefit us? Asking the right questions will inspire greater faith in the individual. An African proverb states that the one who asks questions does not lose his way. And it's so many of us who like, are like stubborn and we know exactly how to get there on that road trip. We know exactly where we're going, that we don't need to flip on our Google screen. We don't need to stop for the gas, gas station attendance um, directions. We don't need to stop, so we lose our way. But I think as individuals, we will have and produce greater faith when we continue to ask questions. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, he says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that you, uh, do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? How many of us are asking ourselves questions like, where is my time, energy, and resources spent? What am I passionate about? How do I see the spirit at work in the community that I live in? It's questions like these, I believe, that a follower of Jesus is going to continually ask themselves. Secondly, asking questions will increase your vulnerability, our vulnerability, in a community. Now, if you're anything like me, that doesn't sound awesome. Increasing my vulnerability in a community does not sound cool. Middle school analogy here, if I am in a ninja fight and I have low vulnerability or high vulnerability, I will get defeated and that is not good. Laugh with me, yeah. Junior high jokes, cool. Um, so, asking questions will increase our vulnerability in a community. Asking questions, I believe, is directly related to humility. When we have a question, uh, we have to go to something outside of ourselves to answer that question. I think it's the stubborn and the headstrong that seem to know it all and never ask questions. Because when we ask questions, we admit that we don't have all the answers. And we admit that we need something outside of ourselves. I just repeated that note. Cool. I'm glad you're with me. To be vibrant and functioning in a community, we need to be vulnerable and accessible. When we ask questions, I think in part we achieve that. We show the people around us that we don't have it all together, that we are in fact still following Jesus, that we still have questions about our faith, and that makes us approachable. If you continue asking questions, you are going to be that elder person inside of the community that the younger people feel attracted to, that they feel comfortable coming to. If you are that uh, parent who is humble and asking questions, you are going to have the children, I believe, that are attracted by your inquisitive faith. When we ask questions, we show the people around us that we don't have all the answers, that we're approachable, that we're accessible, that we're vulnerable, that we're working right alongside everybody else. Number three, asking questions can inspire the curiosity the church needs to continue moving f forward. So, moment of, of vulnerability myself here. When I was, when I was a student in high school and, and before that, uh, I did not like doing schoolwork. I did not like being at school whatsoever. I tried anything I could to avoid doing homework or being... Uh, scholastic in any bit. I mean, I grew up playing soccer, and I dreamed of the day that I get to play on the freshman soccer team. But grades came out just about the same time the start of the soccer, uh, the soccer season started, and I was definitely not eligible to be playing. But something happened during my late teens, maybe early 20s. I discovered the question mark. 
Like, questions are cool. Question mark. I don't know something. Let's find it out. Like, how many people do live in Canada? How deep is the ocean? What is the world record of people holding their breath underwater? All these questions started pouring over me. And I found that life was quite amazing. Everything, that, uh, everything that, uh, around me, if I didn't know the answer, I could ask the question, and life became vibrant. I think a state of curiosity that is blessed by the Holy Spirit will keep the church moving forward in our community, in our st- city, our state, and our nation. It will continue to usher the kingdom of God when we ask our, ourselves questions like, where do we see injustice in the world around us? Who are the needy in the community that we live in? How have I seen the power of prayer active in the, peop- in the, the lives of the people around me? How is the good news of Jesus bringing life to my peers? I think the community that asks questions like these the, the group of followers who ask questions like these will not cease to be relevant and active and participating in the community that we live in. So, again, that's uh, asking questions will inspire greater faith. That is increasing vulnerability with the people around us. Asking questions can inspire curiosity that the church needs to continue moving forward. And so let's bring it home. How do we do this? How do we apply this to our life? How do we bring this in? How do we start to practice questioning? I think, first of all, we can ask honest questions. Like I mentioned earlier, the Pharisees did not ask honest questions. They went to Jesus trying to trap Jesus, trying to shut him down, trying to make him look bad. In our communities, we could be asking questions that are open-minded. And by that, I mean questions that we don't know the answer to, we don't want to assume the answer to, that we're willing to do the legwork to find out the answer to, and whatever the result may be, we embrace it and use it in our life. So asking healthy questions. Number two, praying through questions. This is something that I just discovered very recently. Somebody's like, Jared, why don't you just ask God? And I'm like, that's a brilliant question. I don't know. Maybe I should ask God. So writing down questions that we have toward God. God, why am I repeating this behavior? God, why do I continue thinking these thoughts? God, what is going on in this part of my life? And then as as you ask those questions, be sensitive to God's answering in those things. Seek them out by scripture, by the counsel of others, by the experiences that, that we have. And I believe God will continue answering the questions that we pose. And I know for certain they are questions that we will never find the answer to. That on this side of heaven, we will never see the answer or the outcome. I know, no, I know there's questions like that. And I think we have to continually be okay with that. To understand that we might not know how deep the ocean is. Or how many people live in Canada. Or, no, we actually know those things. But we have to be sensitive and know that we might not understand or get the answer to our question. I think also our, our uh, eagerness to ask questions should be coupled with our eagerness to find out the answer. So in the book of Acts, chapter 17, we encounter these people from from Berea. We refer to them as the Bereans. There are Christian bookstores named after them because they are scholarly people. It says in chapter 17 of the book of Acts that the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. 
these Bereans, they had questions. They, they wanted to figure out and get to the bottom of what was going on. If, Paul, if what Paul was teaching was true. So they like, headed down to their town Bible and they busted it open. They started examining things to see if what was taught is actually true. So may our eagerness to ask questions grow proportionally with our uh, diligence to answer them. I think for a lot of us, we should start asking the questions that Jesus already asked. I think we should look through the Bible and see the questions that Jesus already posed to us so that we don't have to re-ask those. Jesus was a person of questions. We see in the New Testament of the Bible that Jesus posed 300 questions, approximately 300 questions. Many times he actually answered a question with a question. He like threw it back at you like, hey, why don't you think of it this way? A few questions that Jesus asked. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? If you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? That one rhymes, so Jesus gets two points on that one. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Why do you worry about clothes? Maybe we should be worried about that. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eyes and pay no attention to the plank in your own? And this is one of my favorites. Jesus asks his disciples, and in this like close circle, Peter pipes up with the answer. Jesus asks of them, who do you say that I am? And I think that's a, a question that we, that we can continue asking ourselves and to the community that we live in. Who do we say that Jesus is? Who do we say that Jesus is? Flashback to the guy that we started with, Nicodemus. Could it be, could it be so that that timid Pharisee who snuck to Jesus under the cover of night began to follow Jesus? After asking questions and prodding through his faith, that timid Pharisee, is it possible that he went on to follow Jesus? In John chapter 19, we see that Joseph of Arimathea, after Jesus was crucified, asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. It says, Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away, and he was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. So we see here the man who first came to Jesus in John chapter 3 asking him questions about faith, I believe identifies himself with Jesus, putting himself on the line willing to be there at his burial, at his death, associating with that man. I think as a congregation and as individuals, the more we ask questions will not shoot us toward doubt, but shoot us toward faith if they are honest and open-minded. I pray that we continue to be inquisitive people, that we could be relevant to the society that we live in and continue ushering in the kingdom of God. Pray Pray with me, would you? 
God, we thank you that we have a place to safely ask questions, to get to wrestle with doubt, and God, hopefully we come out on top and we know that you love us deeply. We know that we are loved by the community that we live in. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just bless all of our questions and that we would continue to move toward faith. We ask for your help in all of this, God. Guide us and direct us. We pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.